I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, what's good? It's another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. I hope everyone had an amazing weekend. A weekend, of course, that featured the return of high school football in this country. We're going to go out to the state of Utah to catch up with reporter Steve Bartle. He covers the Utah Utes for 24-7 Sports. He was on the sidelines for one of the first games in America. We're going to discuss what that was like, what the atmosphere was like, what the environment was like. The ball is rolling on the high school football season, which means that recruiting is going to ramp up even more. For all the latest on your favorite college football team, remember to stay locked in to 24-7 Sports. We've actually got a promo this month. It's 50% off an annual VIP membership to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of 24-7 Sports. Remember to rate us, review us, and subscribe. If you leave a five-star Apple podcast review with your recruiting question, you've got a chance to get it answered by our team of analysts, which includes Gabe Brooks. He's going to join us in a little bit. But first, let's begin with the kickoff. Could the Texas Longhorns be on their way back? They made a resounding statement this last week by landing the number one prospect in the 2022 class, Quinn Ewers, a five-star quarterback from their own backyard, South Lake Carroll High School. He's a big-time prospect, not only known for his mullet, but also for what he's able to do on the field. He had an amazing season as a sophomore last year. And although he's two years away from arriving in Austin, the Longhorns and their fan base have a lot to look forward to, especially beating the likes of Oklahoma and Ohio State for such a touted prospect. Ewers was the latest high-profile recruit to come off the board this month. Remember, Ohio State landed four-star linebacker Gabe Powers. Miami landed four-star defensive tackle Brandon Cleveland. LSU landed four-star defensive tackle Sean Washington. Minnesota even got in on the action, getting four-star defensive end Trey Bixby. And Penn State went to the state of Georgia to pick up a four-star tight end in Holden Stays. Ewers is the first significant domino to fall in the 2022 class when it comes to quarterback recruiting, which always moves at an accelerated pace. 24-7 Sports National Analyst Charles Power had an in-depth piece looking at Quinn Ewers and why he's a generational prospect. He's the first number one overall prospect that Texas has landed in 20 years since picking up a guy by the name of Vince Young. We are now joined by Gabe Brooks. He covers recruiting in the states of Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, just to name a few. Gabe, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? Doing well. You can follow Gabe Brooks at Gabriel D. Brooks. And the reason you're on, Gabe, is because not only are you, are you awesome and you're you're great. Uh, we love your draw, right? We've we've told this. We've told this to you. We, we've texted this to you during our, our ranking calls. We we always want you to talk a little bit more. I mean, I'm from California. I'm not really used to the accents and, and stuff, but you bring that Southern flavor 
But not not only that, but but you also have the goods on Quinn Ewers, the number one prospect in the 2022 class that came off the board this last weekend. He commits to Texas. And my biggest question to you, Gabe, is is Texas back? Well, from a recruiting standpoint, I you know, I, I guess you'd have to say so based on getting the number one player in the country in the 2022 class. But, um, you know, they've been recruiting pretty well there uh, uh, even before this. Uh, you know, there's fans are going to – some are going to be very positive and some are going to be pessimistic. And the bottom line is, is that they've been putting together some pretty good classes, you know, regardless of – of the chatter. And if you want to put together a really good class, landing the the number one quarterback in the country this far out ahead in a cycle is a good way uh, to kickstart that. I mean, that's, you know, there's already buzz, you know, you'd already see it on Twitter uh, buzz with other prospects and not even 2022, but um, 2021, 2023, you know, there, there are kids that in Texas, um, you know, if you're the quarterback at South Lake Carroll and you're as good as Quinn Ewers is, then players across the state are going to know who you are. And, you know, add on having that label of the number one player in the country, uh, he is a, you know, as, as, as high profile uh, a player in Texas as there is entering the, the 2020 football season. Yeah, I think a player like Quinn Ewers transcends classes, right? The guys that are older than him in the 2021 class will look at that as a potential building block for when they're already on campus, right? They know that they will be covered at the quarterback position. They will, And even the 2023s, they start to look at Texas, especially players on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, the offensive linemen, the receivers, the running backs, guys that will be built around them. Uh, they, they understand it. And, you know, I, I was kind of monitoring how things were shaping up. And there's a tight end from the state of Colorado, Gunnar Helm, who committed to Texas recently in the 2021 class. And he was excited, right? And he's, you, you never really see seniors being excited about sophomores and juniors uh, in high school. But I think he understands that Quinn Ewers, could potentially be throwing him the ball for the next few years. Uh, and I think it, it definitely helps Texas's case to be able to now sell to recruits, to have that in their back pocket, and to help continue to build that program. You know, Andrew Ivins, who covers the, the great state of Florida for us uh, down there and does a great job on the Miami site, we were talking about this a, a few weeks ago, is that the national powers, the traditional powers such as Miami, such as USC, uh, you know, such as Texas, th those three particularly have been absent from the college football playoff race. And, and it'd be fun. It'd be it'd be really good for college football to have these schools be in the chase in a realistic sense, a bit more. Miami's been doing a good job recruiting. USC's doing a really good job recruiting now, has a top 10 class after uh, last season's debacle. And now Texas, you know, doing what they're doing in the 2021 class with the number one class in the 2021 cycle and then adding a Quinn Ewers. Do you think this, this also, you know, helps kind of build momentum on the field? I mean, it, it very well could. Um I think that they have uh, recruited pretty well. Um, like you said, they've got the the number one class in the Big 12 in 2021. 
Um, you know, that, that's something that they did with the 2020 class as well. They had a top 10 class in that cycle. 2019, they led the Big 12. Um, so I don't know if it's as much of a manifestation of momentum ongoing in players who are not yet on campus as it is the, you know, reaping the, 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 the fruit from the, you know, the, the harvest that they've had, so to speak, and the, the more recent recruiting classes. I think that, uh, you know, you look at certain positions that they've recruited particularly well, you know, running back, getting guys like Bijan Robinson to uh, compliment Keontae Ingram, who, you know, had a thousand yard, uh, yard, thousand yards for scrimmage and averaged almost six yards per touch last year in an offense where they want to use multiple backs. Um, you know, it's just an example of uh, the kind of players that they brought in the last couple of cycles. And uh, I think that, you know, the, 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 the momentum that they could see on the field is more so from the, from 1920 than, than what's going on with recruiting now. Yeah, and if they're doing it on the recruiting trail and they start to get it done on the field, watch out because because Tom Herman once he gets that thing rolling and 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 you know gets some results on the field and continues to build, I, I think it could be uh, even a program that not only obviously sits atop the Big Twelve recruiting rankings, but can kind of start pushing for the the number one, number two, number three ranking overall in the nation. We are joined by Gabe Brooks. He covers recruiting in the state of Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma. Uh, you could follow him on Twitter at Gabriel D. Brooks. I I, I want to say this is going to be a funny question to ask you, but where does Oklahoma go from here? Because they were considered a front runner for Quinn Ewers early on in the offseason. It, it seemed like the Sooners had started to generate some space between them and a few other programs. Uh, I, I think a lot of the buzz after they got the number one quarterback in the 2021 class, Caleb Williams, it seemed like they could go back to back and 2022 and pick up Quinn Ewers obviously he's committed to Texas what do you think the Sooners could do where where do you feel like they can go now well the thing you got to consider about them is uh, their penchant to recruit nationally um, you know especially at the quarterback spot uh, they've gotten guys like Spencer Rattler and uh, you know a couple of cycles ago and then Caleb Williams in the 2021 cycle uh, and on top of that, they're always going to be active in the transfer market. Um, you know, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, those types. Uh, as far as guys have offered, you know, I think one of the better tools we have uh, in the 24-7 sports uh, database, you know, if you go to your respective team site and you look at the, the football recruiting tab, there's that offers link. And then you can cycle through which players at which positions uh, have been offered uh, according to our database. And, you know, what we have for OU is they have have only offered two guys at the quarterback spot in 2022, and one of them was Quinn Ewers, who's committed to Texas now, the other being Ty Simpson uh, from Tennessee, who is going to be, you know, already is a nationally recruited, uh, almost 40 offers, um, top 100 guy on the composite and in the the top 24-7 rankings. Uh, So with only one uncommitted offer out that we know about, uh, you got to think that that's going to change in the near future, given, uh, you know, what has happened with yours. Um, I I think that 
Rattler being as young as he is, the expectations everybody has for him, and then having Caleb Williams, you know, coming down the uh, the pike as well. Uh, I think that regardless of what happens with 2022 at this point, you have to feel pretty good about the quarterback spot if you're Oklahoma moving forward. Yeah, without a doubt. And they obviously have plenty of selling points. And like you mentioned, with Rattler and being as young as he is, heading into his redshirt freshman season, and then Caleb Williams coming and, and waiting in the wings, per se, uh, they should be in good shape. And But, you know, if we know anything about Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley is that he loves to reload, especially at that position. So it's going to be one of the more interesting dynamics to move forward and look to now that Quinn Ewers is off the board. Quinn wasn't the only top prospect in the state of Texas to come off the board this past weekend. Texas A&M landed Marcus Burris. He's a 6'4", 280-pound Strong side defensive end from Pleasant Grove High School in Texarkana, Texas. He's a top 100 prospect in the composite, uh, number 130 nationally in the in the 24/7 Sports rankings. Uh, a top 10 prospect at his position. What do you think the Aggies are getting in Burris, and what do you think this does for their recruiting process? Well, I think something that Texas A&M has done a good job of lately and is continuing to do a good job of is stockpiling quality and quantity uh, on the defensive line. And Burris is simply another example of that. Um, you know, A&M is one that has been recruiting more and more nationally uh, dating to the last, uh, the 2020 cycle. And they've continued that in 2021, but Burris is the kind that is a, you know, a vintage Texas A&M pickup uh, that for a long time, it, it, you know, all the buzz was for OU. And then in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, he recently named a top three that was OU, uh, A&M and Texas. And uh, in the last couple of weeks, it, you know, it really sounded like it was virtually a coin flip um, between Texas A&M and OU. And, you know, I, I told a couple of other people who were asking me earlier in the week, um, you know, where they thought, where I thought this would go. And I told him, you know, Texas A&M doesn't lose these types of East Texas guys very often to out of state schools, even if they're, you know, in region out of state schools, Burris is, uh, you know, he, he's just the type of guy that they get you know, um, from that region. Um, big bodied guy. Uh, he can be scheme versatile. He can be position versatile. We have him at strong side DN right now. I think that he will probably slide inside. Um, you know, we may end up changing him to a defensive tackle projection because he's probably going to be a three-tech type um, at the next level. But, you know, depending on what kind of looks that you want to give and your personnel, he can fit a lot of different things. And um, he's pretty functionally athletic despite being as big as he is. I've seen him several times in person over the last couple of years. He plays for one of the top 4A programs in Texas. Um, I, I think that uh, his production speaks to how good he is. You know, he teams with another um, high-level four-star guy, in Landon Jackson, uh, who's going to who's committed to LSU, and th they make for a pretty fearsome tandem at the four-A level. Um, I, you know, the only times I've really seen him slowed down uh, were against. Carthage, which happens to be my alma mater, and another four. Well, that's power. that's why I gave Brooks because it's your <laughs> alma mater. They can and shut down everyone. He ran into uh, he ran into Tykes Crawford a couple times, and uh, you know Tykes Crawford was a four star guy in the twenty twenty class who 
was really the only guy I've seen who has matched the size, strength, power that Burris has. And so, you know, Burris is going to – having seen those couple of matchups, uh, Burris is going to have to get used to people with similar, uh, you know, physical capabilities of his, that, that, that he possesses. But, um, you know, another thing you got to consider is his injury. He's not going to play this year. He had an Achilles injury in July. Um, so the rehab process will obviously be important there, but from a physical standpoint, he's everything you want um, at the power five level. And uh, I, I think that he'll eventually be somebody who they can plug right in with all this other D line talent they have. Uh, and in, when you're in the league like the SEC, you need to have numbers there and not just bodies. You need to have good bodies, quality talent in numbers, and he'll be another one that they can plug right in that fits that profile. Gabe, before we let you go, one last thing. We saw high school football kick off in America this last weekend. In the state of Utah, we had a, a full slate of games except for one, which did get pushed back because of a few uh, COVID-positive tests. What's the status of high school football in the state of Texas? How close are players like Marcus Burris and Quinn Ewers to returning to the field? So in Texas, it's, uh, you know, there's multiple governing bodies, depending on if you're public or private. And um, the, the, the big public school governing body, the University Interscholastic League, has delayed um, the start of the season for 5A and 6A football, the, big, the largest classifications, uh, until the final weekend of September. Your, your first season openers would be that, that final Friday, that final weekend of September. Some schools won't play until the first week of October. Having said that, 4A down, um, they started practice two weeks ago, and they are on schedule to start um, the weekend of, uh, I believe it's August 28th, um, which is when everybody was going to start uh, before they delayed the big schools. But uh, 4A down through 2A is your usual 11-man football. 1A is six-man and that's uh, that's mostly out in West Texas, but uh, 4A all the way down is, is planned to start um, the final weekend of August. And the UIL lifted a restriction on um, live broadcasts of Friday night games. That's something that anytime you see Texas schools on national TV, it's never on a Friday because the UIL uh, does not allow Friday night broadcasts because they want fans in the stands. Um, but they're, they're lifting that restriction this year, given the public health situation. And I imagine you're going to see a lot of school districts, uh, perhaps a lot of local TV, um, uh, trying to get rights to, to broadcast in some games. Six-man football. Is that social distance? I mean, that's the epitome <laughs> of, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah well, I need to watch some six-man tape. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, it's pretty so that's, insane. <laughs> that's Gabe Brooks. You could follow him on Twitter at Gabriel D. Brooks and follow all his work. He covers football recruiting in Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Thank you so much, Gabe. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. We'll be right back here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast to break down what went down in the state of Utah with Steve Bartle. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo. We discussed it early in the first segment about how football in the state of Utah made its return this last week. And we were now joined by Steve Bartle. He covers Utah Utes recruiting for Ute Zone, our Utah site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And he was on the sideline for perhaps the biggest game of the weekend in the state of Utah between Lone Peak and Tint View in Provo. Steve, first of all, how are you doing? Man, doing good, Blair. Just finished up 18 holes on a Sunday Ooh. afternoon. and In man, Park City, good. you're telling me. Yeah, in Park City. We played uh, – it was – so it was a little south of Park City. Heber City is what it is, but up there in that area. So uh, beautiful views all around. Uh, played decently well uh, considering the course. Uh, but, yeah, man, I'm doing well. How are you doing, Blair? Not too bad. I wish I was getting 18 in, uh, <laughs> if obviously in a socially distanced manner, uh, as is the case now, obviously, across the country. Of course. I'm sure golf, I haven't actually played 18. I've been to the driving range. I've done some putting. I've done some short game stuff. But I feel like golf right now uh, has seen a raised level of interest and, and more activity. And, and, and it's kind of a way to go out and get out, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's... That's exactly what it was for me. I would, I'm the type that I would always go to the gym to lift weights and, you know, your typical meathead that avoided cardio and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I don't want to go to the gym now because of just the, the close proximity. So I found golf <laughs> <Right>. and, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's been a little bit more socially distant and, you know, especially when you don't hit it straight or where you want to, you're a little bit further out from everybody else. But uh, man, it's been, uh, it's been interesting. A lot of people have picked up golf now with, you know, just everything going on. So it's, uh, it's been interesting from that aspect, but, uh, it's fun to always get out and, and, uh, and hit them. So man, it was, it was a good day today. We've got to get at least nine in next time I'm in the state oh, of yeah. Utah and, and hopefully it's, it's sooner rather than later. Uh, and then hopefully we don't get to see any cars divert off the road and crash into <laughs> the bushes. <laughs> Bro, I'm, I'm literally, I'm on the 17th green Mountain Dell course, 17th green. I'm putting, all of a sudden, this van comes flying down the hill, like just all this commotion. Like, just imagine what a van crashing through trees and shrubs and all types of stuff. What that sounds like, and then all of a sudden, there's this van on the fairway. And you're like, what in the world? And you know, all the guy is like, yeah, if I just switch out the tire, I'll be able to drive this thing out. And we're like, my guy, no, no, you're not. <laughs> like, you're windows are busted your bumpers broken your your tires are like you're not doing anything that was craziest most surreal experience so far this summer uh basically you know just 
2020 wrapped up in a uh, <laughs> yeah i was about to say that's 2020 wrapped up in basically a van uh, all yeah, you needed man. was some murder hornets to be chasing that van or something uh, yeah for real for yeah real. we're joined by steve bartle he covers the utah utes over at ute zone on the 24 7 sports network you could follow him on twitter at s bartle 247 steve you were on the sidelines but but you know Obviously, you needed a little vacation this weekend because you, you put in some hard work on Friday night. But you were on the sidelines at the one of the first high school football games uh, of the year in this country. You were at the Tintview Lone Peak game. It was a victory by Lone Peak, surprisingly, because there's a lot of Division One prospects over at Tintview. And I know they get a lot of the college attention. But Lone Peak is a well-oiled machine, as I saw last year when they came out to California and completely dominated a Narbonne team that was expected to compete for one of the state championships. You were there. Tell us what it was like during these times, during obviously the, the, the pandemic, the social distancing, wearing of the masks, what the environment like, what the atmosphere was like at a high school football game. Yeah, you know, it was a little surreal to be to be honest with with everything going on, you know, over the last few months, we haven't had fall camp, we haven't had, you know, practices to attend or or talk about. There's just been this lack of football content basically where you're you're able to actually watch football and then all of a sudden boom, you know, you're you're standing on the sidelines of one of the biggest games not only of the weekend here in Utah, but, you know, this this 2020 season, Tipview and Lone Peak are two of the top programs in the state. Uh, Lone Peak is a 6A uh, classification uh, squad, whereas Tipview is 5A, but still Tipview has just a ton of talent um, on that team. And so, you know, it was, it was weird from that aspect to, you know, where we've been devoid of sports, you know, college sports, college athletics, where we're typically – you know, attending practices to all of a sudden being there on the sideline. It was a little surreal from, from that aspect. But, you know, being there, uh, the thing that, that stood out the most was just the overall caution uh, in terms of the, the guidelines, sticking to the guidelines, safety protocols. Uh, there were reminders, PA reminders, uh, every five to, to ten minutes just to remain socially distant between seats in the stadium uh, to wear your mask. You know, as I entered the field, you had to check in at the, at the ticket booth and, and, you know, and show them your, your credentials. First thing they said was, you know, make sure you wear your mask. And then as you're getting onto the field, there was somebody else to check it there. And, and again, it was, it wasn't a reminder to, to show them your credential. It was a reminder to wear your mask. And so, you know, it's just the overall precautions and everything uh, in the state of Utah, it's, it's a little unique because they're doing each district has their own kind of unique spin on on the protocols. There are certain requirements that every school in the state has to abide by, but some are are requiring teams and players to sanitize their hands, use hand sanitizer as they get off the field every time. Um, and so there's it was a little weird, but just being there on the sideline, everybody in their masks, uh, it, you you kind of got back into a sense of normalcy uh, watching the game and, and, and just being there. But then again, you're reminded that you're in a pandemic because you're looking into the crowd. You're looking to the people, you know, next to you on the sideline, everybody's wearing masks. Everybody's kind of, you know, keeping their distance um, from, from everyone else. There's, there wasn't as much interaction between people 
um, which was kind of uh, kind of interesting. Typically, there's a lot of conversations going on, but you know, it was uh, it was interesting. So, you know, just overall, it was pretty unique, a pretty surreal feeling. It was good to be back on the field, good to watch the the guys competing and and being out there and playing football and and you know, seeing the guys on the sidelines interacting with each other. It was good to get that sense of normalcy back, but still there were the, the constant reminders that we are still in a pandemic and that we do need to, to follow these, these protocols and these safety guidelines. Yeah. You know, I think everyone across the country had their eyes on, on the state of Utah this last week. And I think everyone wanted to see what it would look like. I think everyone that is interested in, in, in maybe operating uh, a season this coming fall and, and, and making sure that everything goes according to plan and making sure that these games are all played and, and everyone stays safe. I think everyone that was interested was watching. I know we had a group text message, me, Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman. We were we had a few of the streams up on the computer watching the games in, in real time. Uh, and, and it was cool to finally be able, like you said, to see some real football and, and to return to a sense of normalcy and to, to get a feel for what hopefully the season will look like uh, in the coming months. I know the state uh, of Arizona is up next, especially out West. Uh, they will begin in early October. Uh, we mentioned with Gabe Brooks uh, earlier in the first segment that the state of Texas is, is inching closer. I know places like Indiana, Indiana and Georgia and Florida, they're all moving to, to, to a start date now and, and inching closer to, to high school football beginning. And I think from a, an evaluation standpoint, speaking to, to, to some recruiting coordinators across the Pac-12 and the Mountain West, they were just so antsy to be able to see new new film and, and new tape of some of these players uh, and then continue to assess them because there hasn't been any video, any new evaluations from a, an in-person standpoint or seeing a, a player move around in pads. I think all of that has been absent since the end of last season. So to get a refresher, I, I think, was pretty unique. Well, what was it like for you to, to be able to see a, a player like Logan Fano, right, who is one of the top uncommitted prospects across the, the West region? He's a, a highly coveted edge rusher who, uh, you know, by all, by all accounts, um, has as much upside from a pass rushing standpoint as, uh, as anyone in the country. What did you think of him and, and his performance? What do you like about his game? You know, it was it was a lot of fun to watch Logan Fano actually strap up the pads. I was able to, you know, catch him at a couple of local camps here in the state of Utah and I'm pretty familiar with his game and, and what he's about. But to actually see him in pads, to see him work on the field, it was a lot of fun. It was good to kind of get back in that in that groove again of actually evaluating kids um, and and to watch Logan operate. You know, he's uh, we have him. Uh, rated and ranked as as a weak side defensive end he's got great size at six foot four 230 pounds he's got a lean lengthy frame uh where typical of like a, a kid that plays football and basketball right where he's just that that good athlete overall uh and what was interesting in evaluating Fano on on Friday was that you know he was used utilized a lot dropping into coverage and 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 more so defending space rather than getting after the quarterback and that was interesting and I know that that's something that that Logan has worked on he wants to be able to to play a lot in space he wants to be a versatile you know defender where he's not just an, an edge rusher but you know even when he was able to pin his ears back and get after the quarterback you saw um, you know his hand usage you saw his ability to 
you know, place his hands on the, on the offensive tackle's chest with his length to, to utilize some different hand techniques. It was a lot of fun to watch him. He was able to uh, generate some pressures when he was able to rush the quarterback. Uh, but even when he dropped into space, he had a, he had a pick six. Uh, it was, he had the interception, but there was a holding on the return. So the, 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 the touchdown was negated, but you know, he still had the interception and just showed good feel overall. So he's looking exactly like the type of prospect you can utilize on the edge, whether you're, you're operating in a four, three, or you're operating in a three, four, or, you know, any of those where you've got some stand up edge guys. So he's looking like a very versatile athlete and looks the part of, of how we have him ranked as a four-star athlete. We're joined by Steve Bardo. He covers the Utah Utes over at utezone.com, the Utah site on the 24-7 Sports Network. You could follow him on Twitter at sbardo247. Steve, before we let you go, I know you got a plan for your next 18, but when you look at Utah and when you look at the Utes in where they stand right now in the 2021 cycle, rather surprisingly from a national perspective that they are number 10 among the Pac-12 programs, uh, a cycle after having a really good class, especially in-state, but then also having just competed for the Pac-12 championship, obviously losing and falling short against Oregon, which went on to win the Rose Bowl as well. Uh, but does it surprise you that that maybe they haven't taken that step forward from a recruiting standpoint to, to continue building momentum off of a, a, a pretty stellar 2020? Utah is in a is they're in an interesting spot, right? Where they've been able to capitalize on on where they've risen to in the Pac-12. They've got their top target at quarterback and Peter Costelli out of Mission Viejo. Um, you know, he's a, he's been the guy at the top of their top of their board, you know, at quarterback for the last two years. And so to be able to uh, beat out some other significant programs for him kind of shows where they're at because quarterback has always been a position where Utah hasn't been a, a, a destination place for, for the quarterback uh, position. And so to get that guy kind of shows their progress they also landed Ricky Parks, who was another top one or two uh, on their board at running back out of – he's a running back out of Florida. Tampa, Florida was basically down to Iowa and Utah. Everybody had Iowa as the favorite, uh, but Utah was able to, to beat them out just because of what they've been able to do, you know, at the running back position over the last few years, particularly with Zach Moss, you know, helping Utah rise up the Pac-12 ranks. So from that aspect, they've – They've certainly capitalized on their on their performances over the last two years. However, I think they've been hurt the most by the pandemic and by the recruiting restrictions because Utah is a place where, you know, they kind of have to get kids out to Utah so they can see all that Utah has to offer. I think when you talk to kids about Utah, there's just stigma, if you want to call it that, or just they're just unaware that Utah is actually a somewhat big city um, that, that has a lot to offer. And so getting kids out to Utah to check out Salt Lake City and, and the surrounding areas is really beneficial for the program. And so for, for them not having the ability to bring kids out this spring for visits uh, kind of set them back. So while they've capitalized on their success over the last two seasons – They've also been hurt by the pandemic and the recruiting restrictions um, over the last few months where they haven't been able to get kids out for visits. 
that are, are kids that they probably would have a very good shot at. You know, a kid like Thomas Cole, who is committed to UCLA, an offensive tackle, uh, was one of their top targets. Um, you know, he was set to come out to Utah, you know, th- earlier in the spring, and then it was moved back into May and then into June. Um, he was a guy that they were really pushing hard for him because he hasn't been able to take a visit. That's obviously hurt them. So in terms of that, Utah is is still doing really well. Utah is a program that is very patient, very deliberate, very methodical, Blair, is, is a word that you like to use with this program. They're going to be patient with their recruiting process as they have been over the last two years. They really capitalized last year at the end of the recruiting cycle when they pulled off Clark Phillips, Van Fillinger, Ty Jordan, that group of guys towards the end of the recruiting cycle. Utah is, is a program that is going to be deliberate. They have to, they like to build the relationship with kids. It's a program that likes to take their time on the recruiting trail. And so they're, they're doing really, really well from when you're looking at the big picture, right? From not just looking at it now in a, in a vacuum, but when you're looking at the big picture, when you understand that there is a lot more recruiting to go on over the next few months, Utah is in a very good position. And then you also factor in at Utah that there are going to be missionaries returning that are going to require space, you know, in their class that kind of limits some of the, the space that they would have to recruit. The class is a little bit bigger in, in reality, but this 2020 cycle, they've got a few top targets that they're really doing well with. Ethan Calvert is a linebacker out of Southern California that they're pushing hard for, you know, and a few other guys, Mason Tufaga out of Hawaii, Kahano Kia, they're, they're really doing really well with a lot of these guys. And another guy, Logan Fano, is another uh, player that we talked about uh, that they're doing really well with. So, you know, you look at Utah right now, and, yeah, it doesn't look great, but they're doing really well when you actually understand how Utah goes about their recruiting and, and how they are just uh, in terms of their strategy. They're doing really well and probably ahead of schedule, to be quite honest. Yeah, and when you factor in, like you mentioned, some of the prospects that they have left on the board, uh, you have to like their chances to continue to ascend in the Pac-12 recruiting rankings. Steve, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully we can do this again soon. And, and remember, hit it straight. Keep that front side loaded. Thanks, Blair. Always, you know, congrats on the new gig with the with the podcast. I'm glad I was able to join you today. And, and yes, let's do it again soon. And, you know, as soon as we can, man, let's Let's hit nine. Let's hit 18 whenever we can, man. All right. That was Steve Bartle for all his reports uh, on the ground over in, in the state of Utah from these high school games. You can follow him on Twitter at S Bartle. Remember, if you've got a recruiting question for one of our recruiting analysts, please re- re- submit it in a five-star Apple podcast review for a chance to get it answered on an upcoming mailbag episode. For Steve Bartle, for Gabe Brooks, I am Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.